is let's say someone is struggling right now mentally they know they need to do something you know, maybe they're on medication maybe they're not things like that what's step one step one is definitely acknowledging that you know something is wrong and that's okay you know like i think a lot of people think um, if there's something wrong that shows weakness or there's something wrong with you but the fact is we all have like mental health issues at some point or another in our lives so realizing that that it's normal and okay is i would say step one Shruti Kamprath is a USPTA certified tennis pro and holds her master's degree in counseling psychology. She is here today to give us some insight into mental health within fitness. In today's conversation, we discuss how to make sure our fitness journey stays not only physically healthy, but mentally as well. We also discuss how to compare to others in a positive way versus negative and the overall connection between physical and mental health. If you find value in this content, please consider subscribing and leaving a comment or review letting us know how it was helpful. Welcome to Only the Greatest Podcast. If you're feeling stuck and unsure what to do next in your fitness journey, we might be what you're looking for. My name is Philip. I own and operate OTG Fitness, which is a private personal training gym on the south side of Houston in Webster. I do this podcast every week with my best friend, Daryl. We've been friends since third grade and working out together ever since. Also joining us today will be Sean. He's the one that makes this podcast not only sound great, but look good as well. Our goal here is to help Houston make its way up the ladder of health and fitness. So if you're in the Houston area and ready to become the greatest version of yourself, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Shruti, thank you so much for being here. Um, I really am looking forward to this because personally, I'm super interested to hear from someone like yourself that is uh, obviously knowledgeable and educated on the mental health side of things, which is mostly what we're talking about, right? But you are very unique in the fact that you're also do this, do a lot of modeling. Mm -hmm. And so what an interesting perspective of two completely, what people might think are completely different sides of the spectrum where all oh, mental health, you know, um, being happy with the, what you have and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But then modeling, which is like the ultimate form of the physical body. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was a very interesting um, perspective to have. So uh, what got you into modeling and, and mental health? That's just such an interesting, you know, combination of, of talents that you have. Yeah. So uh, thanks for having me. Sure. Happy to be here today. So with modeling and mental health, my first interest was always mental health. So since I... Um, went to college and then also got my master's in mental health related degrees. Um, I've always wanted to become a counselor. So I'm in the process of actually getting my associate license to start getting hours for full licensure. And m modeling, not going to lie, I enjoy being be behind a camera. Okay. And in front I, I, of or behind? In front of. In front of. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm just making sure. Maybe you do both, you know? Yeah, Actually, like Sean, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I do a little bit of modeling. Not, yeah. not really, not really. Yeah. No, I'm joking, oh, I'm joking. Okay. I'm joking. I, <laughs> um, uh, mm -hmm. I actually, I like both because oh, cool. I feel that um, being behind and in front of the camera gives you two different perspectives. So actually sometimes being behind it, you can see what poses work better with people and then how to improve yourself. Mm -hmm. And I actually feel the same way with uh, modeling and mental health. Like because I have good mental health, that allows me to elevate my modeling and not get caught up in, you know, like um, unrealistic types of, um, you know, like body shape and such. When it comes to counseling, is that the types of people that you aspire to work with, like people that are dealing with physical appearance issues and things like that? Or do you have a specific mm -hmm. area that you prefer to work in or people that, that you enjoy helping? Yeah. So specifically, I would like to work with um, people who have anxiety and depression because in my experience, I've seen most people tend to have some level of anxiety of depression. Like I see it in most people. So I feel that that's like the general population and that's who I want to work with. But yeah, I mean, if there's like, you know, um, like body dysmorphia issues as well, or just how people see themselves, that as 
well is something I'm interested in. But I noticed that because of social media, mm-hmm. that kind of really affects most people. So whether or not I want to work with that, it's it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely social media has a lot to do with this. And I feel like we're going to cover that yeah. probably in a couple different times today. Sure. But you mentioned that you see it in most people. Mm-hmm. What do you see? What, what do you mean by you see it? What is it? Yes, it means like symptoms of anxiety or depression. And most of the time they're hidden to people who aren't like that self-aware because they don't know really what like symptoms of anxiety and depression are. So for example, let's say, um, let's say we're all just sitting in a room having a conversation and there's someone sitting in the corner just scrolling on their phone. They're not able to focus on anything other than their phone. They're basically um, uncomfortable in silence or just observing. So people like to occupy themselves to not deal with certain feelings. So I actually see that a lot. Like um, even in younger kids as well, like they have a harder time like sitting still, like they always have to do something. Yeah, (laughs) I I feel like they uh, have difficulty in in the conversation a lot of times. I have an example as well. Mm -hmm. Let me know what you think about this and then we can dig dig into some of our topics here. But uh, my girlfriend works uh, as a bartender and a server uh, sometimes. And I was uh, at the restaurant eating one time and there was a group of young boys next to me, probably late teenagers, I would guess, 17 to 20 years old. Yeah. And one of them, and um, I love my girlfriend very much. Um, she's beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, amazing person. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe they're intimidated. I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of that going on. Sure. But one of the he he just couldn't seem to communicate. Yeah, he seemed yeah. to be dug into his phone. You know, even she would ask about, um, you know, what what would you like or how to how to what do you want with your food and sure. drinks and stuff like that? Just couldn't seem to, to communicate very well. So mm-hmm. what I, I'm assuming from what you're saying, that is a symptom of depression, anxiety, both? Probably both. Um, a lot of these symptoms actually overlap. And I think that um, when we're not, when we don't learn how to express ourselves, we just don't know how. So that comes out in another way. Like maybe if he was anxious or like possibly depressed or maybe intimidated, like you said, it's safer to just be buried in your phone. Interesting. I never thought about it that way. It's like a safety mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like you want to feel safe. You don't want to feel uncomfortable, whether that's mentally or physically. So we try to do what we can to feel safe. Yeah. So you're avoiding the... Mm-hmm. Um, hard things exactly how interesting yeah i never thought about that about it that way and it actually <clears throat> now i feel kind of bad to be honest because <laughs> i've thought this was like yeah. probably close to a year ago and sure. i just remember it very clearly because i was very shocked by this interaction I was yeah like, man this is so strange and now i'm i, mm-hmm. I feel some sympathy for him mm-hmm. you know i can still see see his face in my in my head and yeah I, now, where before I was like, man, this is kind of what a weird situation. Mm-hmm. Where now that weirdness is turning into sympathy. Yeah, um, that's actually something I reframed in my own thinking as well. I think sometimes if we take like offense or we think something is weird about the way a person interacts with us, it's rarely about us and it's more so to do with them and what they're going through. So, yeah. This person just needs some support, oh, maybe. Sorry. Or no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, had a, I was going to say um, on the situation of not knowing how to, like, mm-hmm. approach and, like, uh, com- come into a conversation, there was a situation I just experienced, like, last night, and I was um, on... <clears throat> I was uh, chatting with some friends on this uh, platform called Discord, and mm-hmm. we're all talking. And we had a friend come in, and it's a um, in this service. Uh, you know when someone comes into the chat room, everyone knows. Mm-hmm. But we're all having a conversation, talking, just laughing, nothing too serious, very light. And this other friend is in, and no one really like greets him, but we all know he's there. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, he just like ah, like just yelled super loud, and I'm like. Oh my God, dude, we, we know, we know you're here. (laughs) We know you're here, but now, now that all the attention has been directed to you, let's roll out the red carpet for you now. And, um, he thought it was kind of funny. I didn't think it was funny at all. I thought it was pretty annoying, but I Mm -hmm. think that, you know, that can be linked to something too, just like this, 
like not knowing how to how to um communicate mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you said like mm-hmm. it like you're in front of someone and they're asking you something simple like hey what would you like to eat mm-hmm. and you're just like uh you know and mm-hmm. it's like it, it was just it was weird so it was like something now that we're having the conversation i felt like it kind of came together a yeah little bit, definitely yeah. it sounded like um maybe this person wasn't okay with no one uh, greeting, greeting him, him yeah. so obviously <laughs> yeah. he didn't know how to say hey guys i'm not okay with this um someone said i'm just gonna yell yeah 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 <laughs> so I, I made sure to give him a nice a nice greeting yeah very yes. very nice <laughs> won't very, let it happen again yeah <laughs> yeah well um you know s- speaking of uh being in you know situations where you're not feeling good maybe depression anxiety and things mm-hmm. like that can we talk a little bit about how that's connected to our physical body like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's one thing to have depression, anxiety, but how, how does that connect with the physical body? Because obviously me, I'm a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Fitness is what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. And it is my belief that when you do physical things, you, you feel better and it starts this spiral. And mm-hmm. um, kind of before this, I'll give you a little bit of, I know you, you don't, we don't know each other, right? We just met each mm-hmm. other today. So I'll tell you that uh, as a teenager, I was overweight. I lost almost 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. It changed my life. My mom died when she was in her 30s. I was Mm -hmm. 15 years old. Um, I have never met my father. Mm -hmm. And so I was in a very depressed state from the age of 15 to about 19 Mm -hmm. until I lost weight. Mm -hmm. And I started working out and everything got better. Mm -hmm. So you knowing that about me and me asking you this question, can we talk a little bit about the connect? What happened with feel like doing more physical things and then my mental health getting better. Like mm-hmm. what, what's going on there? Tell me about it. And maybe I'll have some follow-up questions. Sure. As well. So uh, thanks for sharing that. I'm sorry that, you know, you went through that. Thanks. Um, but that is really, you know, difficult. And I can't, I can't imagine what that must be like, especially at such a young age, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I think for many people, um, including yourself, physical fitness exercise is a type of catharsis. So what I mean by that is sometimes we need to get out our emotions and feelings and rather than just talking about them or doing something to get them out, physically getting them out makes us feel better. So, um, I think too the endorphins released when you work out that just puts you in a better mood overall Mm -hmm. but it's interesting because you got into working out i think the other way too like some people in that situation might feel really down and sad and just end up you know maybe eating more or feeling depressed so it's it's good that you had the you know the ability to make that choice to pursue fitness which ended up you know to be good for you but i don't think you know, a lot of people make that choice because sometimes it's what's easier, what's easier for me now. And the easier isn't always the best thing for you. Yeah. I heard this quote one time that said, what's easy in the short run is often worse for you in the long run. Yes. What's harder in the short run is better for you in the long run. Exactly. And, uh, you know, for me at least, it took me a couple of years. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of years there, like three, yeah. four years of yeah, eating more, feeling worse, mm-hmm. not exercising, feeling worse. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, before that thing turned around. So if people are in that state now mm-hmm. of what you're saying, feeling bad, not able to come around, right? They feel bad about their body. Like what? Mm-hmm. what's step one? How do, how do they get out of that? So step one is just having that realization that there is a problem, there is an issue, and that's okay because we all deal with, you know, problems and issues. But um, once you get to step one, step one is the hardest. Once you acknowledge that that problem exists, then you can take the next step, which is what can you do to, what is the next step to solve that, right? So what can you realistically do? Like maybe you're not going to wake up at 5 a.m. and work out every day, but maybe it starts with something as simple as, eating a healthy breakfast. So it's the little attainable steps that have the most results and effort. And and why is that? Why is the mm-hmm. the the small things so important? Why is it so yeah. important to not overcommit to such a huge thing? Yes, because overcommitting actually leads to a faster relapse because we commit to things that we can't handle. So if I say like I'm not going to eat sweets for a month, Maybe I get to day 26 and then I just can't stand it anymore and I eat a tub of chocolate. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like the same thing. If you overcommit, it's not realistic. So you need to be realistic with yourself. So that's going to differ per person. But yeah. Yeah, because, you know, something that obviously, once again, I do personal training, right? I talk yeah. to people every day about this and they, they all, obviously I'm there to make a recommendation. Sure. And a lot of times people ask me and then, so what man, then my question, like, the first thing they ask me yeah. is like, how often should I work out? Well, mm-hmm. I hit them with another question. Well, what can you commit to realistically, you know, because in my opinion and correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. even if you have the perfect plan, Mm -hmm. the ability to execute a not so perfect plan Mm -hmm. is still better than creating a perfect plan and then not being able to execute on it. Yes, I completely agree because what's the point of a perfect plan if you can't execute it, right? So committing to something that you know for a fact you can execute is going to actually make the changes. Yeah, because I've seen so often like we're talk, let's talk about like frequency of exercise as an example. Even, yeah, if you say you're going to work out 4 days a week, mm-hmm. but you only make it 3, mm-hmm. you feel like you failed. But yes. if your plan is to only do 3, and you make it three, now you feel on yes. top of the world. And you exceeded your own expectations. And I think that actually has to do with um, how you see yourself. So what you were saying about exercising, I think, you know, whether it's like lifting weights or running, you're showing to yourself that you can do it. And I think that improves your self-image. And then having an improved self-image leads to, you know, better eating, better um, mental health, et cetera. Yeah, that's such a great point. I mean, obviously, I've known that, that this works, but I never thought about it in that way where, yeah, all I'm doing is proving to myself that mm-hmm. I am good. I am yeah. great. I can do this thing, you know, and then it, it kind of starts that momentum yes. rolling, right? It's like and, you you get the confidence from actually doing and not only thinking mm-hmm. and just like, you know, oh, I'm going to be the guy that goes to the gym six days a week. And then it's like, no, I am the person that goes to the gym four days a week and I crush it every time. So mm-hmm. it's like you have the confidence to show up and know that you can do that because you've done it already rather exactly. than just kind of fantasizing about it. Yes. And I think that confidence built by actually doing rather than fantasizing or creating plans you can't execute that like that inner strength that builds up from that. That is what really, I think, helps mental health, you know? Yeah. Why, why are people creating such these lofty goals that are unattainable? That, which, which, do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, I think it's because, well, I'm not pointing a finger at social media, but I think a, like it has a lot to do with it because we see things that's like, oh, this person has like a perfect six pack or like a perfect body and their workout regimen is working out like seven days a week. So then we're like, let me work out eight days, even though that's not <laughs> like right. a thing, right? Um, As you're scrolling on the couch. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, yeah. how can I, um, if this person does this, what can I do to be like that person or better? So I think we see unattainable and unrealistic goals. And because of that, we set the standard unrealistically high for ourselves. Do you think people feel pressured um, Mm -hmm. to create these huge goals? Definitely. I I really think so. Because, you know, it's not like glamorous if I say, I'm going to commit to working out one day a week, you know? Like no one's gonna yeah, clap yeah, their yeah, hands. Yeah. No one's like, yeah, way to go, great <laughs> yeah, job. You exactly. Know? So you're so brave. Yeah. Exactly. So like we want we want to be liked by other people. We want other people to notice us. So if I say I'm gonna work out one day a week or seven days a week, which one is gonna get more attention? Yeah. Why Why do we care so much about what other people think? I think this goes back like historically, just to like mankind in general. We're, we, we're like a group species, right? Like we want, we, we thrive in groups. So we want others in the group to respect us and um, to feel belonging because when we feel isolated, you know, that's. That's how cavemen died. Exactly. Day. That's yeah, how yeah, you yeah. Di- That's how you die yeah. back in the day. Yeah. So, um, you know, like survival mechanisms and stuff. If the group likes you, you are safer. Mm-hmm. So if you're more of like the, you know, black sheep of the bunch you're probably going to die. I mean, according to caveman logic. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's interesting that um, if you think about these groups, you Mm -hmm. know, you can leave one group. Yeah. And you might be the black sheep for a little bit, Mm -hmm. but then you can join another one. Yes. Like, and I remember, uh, let's see, it's probably been, 
ooh, maybe seven or eight years ago-ish now, mm-hmm. like the group of people that I really spent a lot of time with. Yeah. I just, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah, yeah, I was the black, and it was hard, mm-hmm. real hard. You yeah. know, I was, uh, at that point, there was a lot of alcohol and things mm-hmm. like that, and yeah. I decided I didn't want to be a part of that anymore, and I felt like the black sheep for a little bit. Yeah. You know, I was different, and, you know, people almost like made fun of even. Yeah. But then I found another group. Mm-hmm. And so why is that so hard though? Why, why is it so hard to, to make that transition when in the deep in our mind, we know that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I need to go with this group that doesn't drink, they eat healthy. Mm-hmm. And so, but, mm-hmm. but why, why is that so difficult? So personally, I think it really has to do with the person's age. Like, let's say you are um, like elementary or high school you don't want to be the kid that no one sits with at lunch. Like you don't want to be the black sheep because it's harder to deal with. Like you're so new to like life and everything. Right. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard. But then I think once you have like your own self image and like you are your own person, it's a lot easier to leave one group and go to one that's actually beneficial for you. So it sounds like that's something that happened with you from that example. Yeah. It's, you have to, that's a great point. You have to, Become fulfilled with mm-hmm. the decision that you make. Yes. To be yourself. Yeah. And not necessarily have to associate. Yeah. And maybe because of our primal instincts or whatever, once you do that, you slowly but surely associate with the same people mm-hmm. that are your new self. Yes, exactly. And I think that's when you have an idea of self-identity, which is why I think, you know, how like... um kids in high school might not get with the best crowd. Maybe they might be like, you know, good students and everything, but they might not realize like how dangerous that is at the time. Or maybe they want to switch to another group, but it's better to stay in a bad group and be liked than possibly be a black sheep. At least at that point in life, that's something that I've noticed. Yeah, I I do agree that the risk of leaving Mm -hmm. is, is high. Not when you're older. Yeah, well, because well, when you're older, you almost like you just kind of naturally separate. I feel I like so, so it's a little easier mm-hmm. when you get older because, you know, jobs and responsibilities, life, yeah. kids and stuff like that. Yeah. So maybe it becomes easier. And you also sure. have the perspective. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying as a kid or a young mm-hmm. person in general, mm-hmm. you don't have the experience to mm-hmm. make that risk calculation. Exactly. You know, but I, as as I gain experience, I can make this risk calculation. Yep. I've seen more people be successful with not doing these yep. these certain things. But yeah, and when you're young, you just care so much about being liked. Yeah, you know, and I think too, um, fitness specific. If we're talking in, in a you know health mm-hmm. and fitness um, area, it's the I want other people to like the way that I look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And I, I do agree that social media, seeing the the cream of the crop mm-hmm. all the time. Yes. The you know? key word or key phrase is all the time. We're, right. we're inundated with that every everywhere, like TV, Netflix, our phones. We don't really see like um, what realistic people look like. So mm-hmm. I think that really messes with them, you know, how we see people. Yeah. And I have to have this conversation all the time because, um, you know, sometimes I'll talk to someone that has a a certain goal. And I'm like, that's a, that's a great goal, mm-hmm. but we need to kind of dial it back a little bit because yeah. that specific thing might not be realistic for you mm-hmm. in this moment in time. That person that you're looking at has been working out for mm-hmm. X amount of years. Um, you know, are you, do you really want to make the sacrifices? You're 40 years old now. Um, that person that you're seeing is much younger mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But the, and these conversations are very difficult for people to have. Yeah. But at some point, in my opinion, I think there is a healthy like type of comparison. So how do we get out of unhealthy comparisons Mm -hmm. and into healthier comparisons? Because you do, do you agree that you have to compare Mm -hmm. yourself to like in, in, I know for sure in fitness and a lot of times in medical stuff, they're comparing to population averages. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, it's comparison. Yeah. Right. So how do we keep this comparison stuff healthy and not let it get too out of control? Yeah, so I think that's a very gray area. So um, looping back to what we were talking about earlier, I think anything that 
um, spurs a healthy motivation. Like anything you see that makes you like get up off the couch and go for a run, that is like a good type of like comparison, you know, like, oh, I need to go work out. But seeing like an image or something that makes you think, wow, like I hate myself, that is an unhealthy comparison. So anything that gives you motivation mm-hmm. to like get up, get going, you know, be healthy, I think that is like a good um, line to draw. But then anything that makes you feel bad about yourself like the goal shouldn't be to feel bad it's to motivate you to do something about it even if it's not like every day of the week you know yeah but but how do how do we avoid feeling that like feeling of mm-hmm. impossibility you know yeah i look at a guy who's got like a six pack mm-hmm. and his arms are huge mm-hmm. and he's got like a 30 inch waist like are, like you, how, are how, you scrolling on my instagram again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm describing sean if you didn't um, but how do I look at this image of Sean <laughs> and be motivated instead of like feel and defeated? Feel defeat? yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. what, what, what process, you yeah. know, what's going on there? Like, what do I need to do to change that? So honestly, not going to lie, that is really hard to do, mm-hmm. but it, it's not impossible. But um, I think first of all is recognizing that, you know, like that is unrealistic or maybe unattainable, at least like right now, you can't look at a six pack and say like, I'm going to get one by tomorrow unless you, I don't know, get it through surgery or something, but I don't think it's going to work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Get it on Amazon probably get some little one day shipping or something like that. Yeah. 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 So I personally think actually limiting social media, like consumption, that's something that helps me Mm -hmm. because I feel like if you're constantly looking or just seeing things that are unrealistic, you're going to think that is reality. But if you check in with actual reality, that helps you really kind of figure out that balance, like spending time with real people, like talking to real people and such versus just being on your phone all the time. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. Um, We escape reality into our phones to, for, in, at the moment feels like an escape, but if anything, it's getting us deeper into this unrealistic yes. situation. So something that, um, and I hate admitting this, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. Obviously, I, I do help people lose weight sure. like as part of my job, right? Mm-hmm. So when I'm in public places, I often scan and look around and I count like how the percentage of people that are like obese, mm-hmm. right? And I hate that I do that. I just can't. It's just something that I do. I, I'm formerly an, an obese person, so I feel like maybe that gives me a little bit of, mm-hmm. you know, the. I don't want to say the right to do that. That sounds really bad, but um, it, it makes is you what feel it is. More acceptable. Yeah, too. yeah. exactly. Um, and what I've noticed is because I'm in this industry, my social media is full of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I forget. Mm-hmm what the actual population really looks like yeah. until I do that drill where I yeah. go to the mall and I look around at all the people and I'm like, there's probably only 10% of people in here that are, mm-hmm. that I would put then personally, I would put in like the fit category yes. and, that, and that's a very loose definition, mm-hmm. but do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it is interesting how that happens where you just completely forget. Yeah. Because we're constantly immersed in, um, things that are not realistic and that becomes our reality until we actually go, like you said, um, and see what people look like in real life. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you overcome the, the the staying out of your phone? You said limit your social media. Like what's your Mm -hmm. trick to that? Like, what do you, how do you do that? So the moment I start getting upset or irritated while I'm looking at my phone, I take a step back mentally and I'm like, why am I like, why is what I'm looking at eliciting, um, an emotional response. Like, is it making me angry, envious? Like what what's going on? And that's when I'm like, okay, I am too invested in whatever I'm looking at that I need to put my phone down. So that's like my personal, um, that's when I like um, close my phone out and I'm like, okay. And then also um, every evening I, I have like a thing set on my phone where like I, um, it reminds me to just like not use it anymore past like 11 p.m. So then that way I separate like my evening routine like from my phone. So I'm not like looking at social media right before I go to sleep or right when I wake up because I think that really affects like, you know, your, your sleep routine. And also when you wake up, it's you don't want to set, you know, un, un bad standards for yourself, basically. How hard was it to 
start doing that when you when you first like the first time you ever were like whoa this is happening like what was going through your mind it was actually really hard like i think um you mentioned it took you a few years to like get into physical fitness for me it it took me a long time to actually be able to find my own um balance so i used to like uh scroll on my phone to like 1 2 a.m back when i was like a student athlete and that would like affect my like next day and stuff too but now that i'm older i don't do that anymore but um yeah i just you have to Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's just about um starting with action and just do it anyways yeah and then the motivation to keep doing it will follow yes because it's harder to just like think and plan something and stick with it rather than just say three two one do it and then use that motivation to yeah that's funny i have this saying that i say in the gym maybe sean's heard me say this to clients Uh before it's kind of funny but i say less thinky more dewy yeah (laughs) yeah i mean yeah yeah let's Yeah. yeah stop thinking so much and just do Yeah. So it's actually funny. One of the things with um, people with anxiety, like one of the ways to help them through it, um, it's to keep your hands busy. So with people with anxiety, you tell them like, find a way to keep your hands busy. So let's say you're overthinking something or like a situation, do something with your hands, like whether that's like knitting or like um, maybe um, journaling, something that takes your mind off of what's going internally. So redirecting is really helpful. Wow, that that is um so instead of trying to just stop doing it, yeah, you just you replace it with something else. Kind of like the whole uh, you know, replace a habit versus cut it yes. out. Yes. Like if your dog is a puppy biting you, you stick a bone into his or her mouth and then they continue biting that. And that's something I've actually done with my dog. So <laughs> say say that again. <laughs> say that again one more time. Like if you have a dog that's a puppy and okay. they're biting your arm. Yeah. You stick a bone into their mouth. Ah, okay. Yeah, you're yeah. just replacing. Yeah, versus mm-hmm. telling the dog, like, stop biting. They're, like, confused. They don't understand, right? I think yeah. it's similar with people. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just tell someone, stop being anxious. Like, mm-hmm. stop being depressed. It's like, you know, that it doesn't work that way. So it's like you have that energy that's focused on the anxiety. But if you can redirect it, then you can actually reduce the anxiety. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I think something else that people you said you mentioned the dog and, and the mm-hmm. the bone or whatever, but I, I feel like food mm-hmm. is a an easy thing for people to. This is like a I didn't mean for this to happen. This is a kind of punny, I guess, uh-huh. but the food is something that they're biting on, right? Because it's like so easy. It's so you know what I mean to find, uh, and that that was very much me mm-hmm. for a while. So breaking that cycle of food can be very difficult, but we need to, what you're saying is don't try to just kill it completely. You need to replace it with something else. Exactly. And I actually have an example with um, what you just mentioned. Like I actually had um, a very unhealthy eating habit more so when I was a student athlete versus now, like, um, what's easy to get, right? Like Taco Bell Mm -hmm. (laughs) at like 11 or like, um, 12 PM, um, So now when I have cravings, instead of preventing myself from those cravings, I switch it with something else. So if I want something sweet, I'll go get a spoon of peanut butter from Mm -hmm. the kitchen versus like, I don't know, like lava cake. I have a really bad sweet tooth. (laughs) So I'm not killing the craving. I'm just replacing it with something that maybe is not like as tasty, but it gets the craving to go away. So that's been helping a lot. Yeah, a healthy alternative. Yes. For sure. And like, that doesn't mean, and uh, not to interrupt you, but healthy alternative doesn't mean you have to like eat kale every day. That's right. When some people hear healthy alternative, they're like, ew, I don't want like almond butter. And I'm like, you don't have to eat yeah. <laughs> almond butter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, an alternative that is an improvement for you. So, you know, if you eat like um, refined sugar every day, maybe switching to like honey Mm-hmm. Like it's still sugar, but it's better. So it's like whatever your own, um, you know. And also, do you think there's something going on there to where not only are they actually doing something better, there's this is this would technically be like a placebo effect because they are doing something better, but they also think that they're doing something better. Yes. And now that positive interaction. Yes rolls into the next thing yes and i think it really has to do with like that like self-image or just self-belief like hey i can eat healthy for like this much time like what else can i not do 
you know, and it just like keeps rolling. And even if it's like a little change, that's why um, what you were saying, like less thinking, more doing, that mm-hmm. actually does help. Because when you start doing it, um, it's something different happens in your brain and you're like, oh, well, I did it. I'm, I can keep doing and it. And now I can keep doing yeah. it. You know, and then uh, another thing, uh, now that I'm keeping doing it, it you know, what do, what do I have to do to stay motivated? Like to do this for a very long time. Like what's, in your opinion, what's the secret sauce to keeping that? Now I started, right, which is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. The next hardest part is keeping doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So what do, I, what do I need to do to make that happen, to stay positive, you know, about the yeah. situation? So for me personally, it's um, cheat days. Okay. I look forward to my cheat but like cheat days, but not so much in the fact that like I'm only like looking forward to them. But um I actually like to compare like um before and after pictures of like when you're eating really unhealthy versus like healthy and working out. And that satisfaction, as I'm sure you know from like working out, it's like your body feels different. And that feeling can be addictive in a mm. good way. Because I've noticed before when I've like been eating healthy um, and then I eat fast food for whatever reason, I don't feel good after. I feel like, wow, like I shouldn't have done that, you know? And I think um, the more that happens, that means like the better that you're doing because you've created habits that last a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And uh What's going on in your mm-hmm. mind? I mean, we don't have to talk about like physically, but yeah. I'm more worried the mental part. You know, you eat that and then like that little feeling of remorse, <laughs> like feeling bad. Do like, you get that too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what's going on there? Like, do you think that's okay um, for people to feel that way or should you like push that away? I think a little bit of remorse is actually good because it motivates you to not reinforce that behavior. It doesn't mean you should like... I don't know, have like a burger and then hate yourself and think that you failed at life. But it's like, okay, I had my burger. Like, let me not eat one again for a certain amount of time. And I I feel like it shows that you care. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's a really good point. It's like, I actually care. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, with that, a lot of the food we eat is like processed or refined. And when that enters our body, it goes into our bloodstream really quick. And mm-hmm. because of that, it um, it spikes our blood sugar. And that actually can cause depression and like lead to more anxious symptoms and depressed symptoms. And that's like why when you drink like a can of Coke in the morning, you're probably gonna have a crash like within like the next hour or so. So I think that also affects your mood. Yeah, it's like a, it, it's like a reaction yeah. type of thing. Yeah, you know? your body's telling you that like, oh, please don't keep putting this. Yeah, <laughs> I had a question too. You mentioned like, as soon as you eat something bad, you feel like your whole life is a failure and you hate everything yeah. or whatever. You know, why are we so quick to, to do that? I mean, I made one little mistake. But yeah. I still feel like such a failure mm-hmm. to myself, to everyone around me, to anyone that mm-hmm. I'm that I'm that's looking at me. You know, wh- why yeah. th- why does that happen so fast? Yeah, I think so. That's actually catastrophic thinking, like all or nothing thinking. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the best or I'm the worst. There's like no in between. So I think that happens because we're always harder on ourselves than on others. Like if you told me you're you ate a pizza yesterday all by yourself, I would say like, oh, that's unhealthy. But I'd be thinking that's not bad. But then if I did the same thing, I would probably think way worse because I'm judging myself versus judging someone else. Um, I heard a piece of advice one time, and uh, I should do this with myself more often. I haven't even thought about this in a while, but I'm going to start reenacting. Mm-hmm. But um, and it was actually Peter Atia. Do you know who that is? He's a super famous uh, physician uh, at this point in the, like longevity and health and fitness field. But anyways, he was ta- he was telling a story on a podcast I listened to one time about he was going through some anger management, mm-hmm. and his uh, therapist told him to. Anytime he lashed out, that was his big problem. He would always lash out at himself, like mm-hmm. internally and even yeah. externally. And he said that anytime that would happen, the therapist's recommendation was to stop. I want you to pretend that you were your best friend mm-hmm. and you just witnessed your best friend lashing out. What would you tell that person? Yeah. That and it was like great. so opposite of what you would tell yourself yeah you'd be way more comforting and understanding and compassionate but we're not always that kind to ourselves Mm -hmm. and why though i don't i don't it's hard for me and Mm -hmm. i do it too and i'm Mm -hmm. just trying to figure out why you know we put ourselves on this huge pedestal Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. you know, but with others, we want to comfort them Mm -hmm. so much. So have you ever thought about like what the difference is? Yeah, I think it's our expectations of ourselves versus our expectations of others. I Mm -hmm. think a lot of the time we make our own expectations a little bit unrealistic. So anytime we have like a little slip up or a little mistake, it's the end of the world. And I know like I've had that before too, like where I like made a mistake in something and I'm like really upset about it, but then someone else makes the same mistake. And I'm like, oh, hey, you you learn from your mistakes. That's, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like very different. But um, that therapist advice is actually really good. Like when you lash out, like, you know, treat yourself like you would treat your best friend because that, you know, and I think the way or like the narrative that we deal with ourselves, like the way we talk to ourselves internally will make a lot of difference so if you fail or if you succeed like be your own best friend that's that's like my biggest takeaway there yeah be our own best friend Mm -hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. do you think that it's unhealthy to expect too much of yourself or do you think that's um something that we should learn how to deal with like what I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. that's a loaded question, but do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, I I think I understand what you're asking. I think it's healthy if it's reasonable. If it's something um, unreasonable, like six pack of abs in like two weeks, then, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure because when you don't reach that goal, you're going to lash out at yourself and think, wow, like I I wasn't able to do it. What's wrong with me? But if it's like, you know, I want to work out this many times a week and eat healthy, that's a lot more attainable. So one of them, one way builds confidence. The other one, you're basically like tearing yourself down. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's super interesting. That kind of reminds me of something, um, that I experienced like last year. So we started running fairly Mm -hmm. recently, um, when I started working here, I started running with uh, the other um, trainers and other things like that. Yeah. <clears throat> First couple of runs went really good. It was fine. I was like, man, this is nice. And then I just mm-hmm. wanted to do longer and longer and longer runs mm-hmm. and become a lot more committed to it. And um, I remember I would really like beat myself up pretty mm-hmm. bad when I would miss the runs or if I went to a race on race day. And I just didn't show up physically, mm-hmm. mentally, how how I should have shown up. And I would really, re- and it really kind of kind of ate me up pretty bad. And I and I was kind of like, man, this this sucks. I started to like love. I started loving running at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. and then towards the end of the year, I was like, man, this is kind of not my favorite thing to do anymore because it's like now yeah. I have these runs that are like almost looming over my shoulder and I would you know I would try to mm-hmm. uh, or I would work out during the week and I and I wouldn't show up on the workouts and it just felt like it was never it was just this never-ending loop like mm-hmm. I would and yeah. so um something that I've gained from just like watching other people run and learning more about running and things like that is just uh when you get to the actual race day you want to you want to train so that when you get to the race day, you can enjoy it and mm-hmm. just have fun because that's what it's for. Mm-hmm. It's not for you to set a new PR to try out a new breathing exercise or something like that. I mean, set a new. P- it is for setting a new PR. Sorry, but um, it's not for uh, practice. Yeah, it's for enjoyment. And um, I went on a run recently, and it was a short run, and I kind of went in with that mindset. And I had so much fun, like running mm-hmm. into the running, like enjoying and taking it in. You're running into the the end of the race and you hear like the band playing, people cheering and mm-hmm. and people. Yeah, come on, come on. They don't care what time you came in. Yeah, they're just like, man, they're just happy to see you came in. And yeah, then it's exactly. like it kind of changed my mindset uh, moving moving forward for yeah. sure. But uh, yeah, you can definitely be your own worst critic. Yeah. Lee, yeah. Ta- Lee taught me that when he said that, you know, your your practice is the hard part. The, mm-hmm. the, the race day is the fun and your time to enjoy all the work that you did, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, it is hard mentally to do that because you put so much pressure on yourself for race day. And um, I very much experienced that. Um, uh, I ran the Houston Marathon two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it did not go as planned at all. And okay. I was, you can ask Sean, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. about it that day. It just yeah. didn't go as planned, um, you know, took me almost an hour longer than what my goal time was and it wasn't an unrealistic goal it was yeah. not the goal that i set was a stretch goal but it was realistic for me to achieve i did not achieve it that day um and 
yeah, it, it was very rough mentally, but I look back now, I'm very glad that I, cause, mm-hmm. uh, that I decided to finish cause I almost didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my plan was to finish in less than four hours. So at the four hour mark, um, I pulled out my phone and I texted Denver, my, my girlfriend, cause I said, cause I had told her that morning, like, Hey, I'm going to be at the finish line at 11 o'clock. Race starts at seven, 11, I'm there. And so 11 o'clock rolls by. And so I had to pull out my phone to let her know that it wasn't going as planned. And I was, it, I was in such dire physical and emotional pain because, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, you're out there and like I could, my right leg was just like, wouldn't move. Right. Uh, I was just like totally locked up and these people are just cheering you on and, and you know, your name's on your bib. Right. And they're like, come on, Philip, you got this. <laughs> <laughs> pain is temporary. You can do it. And I'm just like, dude, stop yelling. At me. <laughs> Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Oh Let me cry for a minute. <laughs> yeah. And, but I pulled out my phone and I was like, I was so close to telling her like, Hey, just come pick me up. I'm at the corner of X street and Y street. Um, you know, I, I just can't finish. There was a point where I was laying on the ground on the side mm-hmm. cause like my leg just, it just yeah. like locked up. Right. Um, but yeah, looking, I, I'm glad that I decided to pull through and I feel very yeah. good about myself. Yeah. But in the moment that was yeah. very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. You know, but anyways, um, yeah. what Sean was mentioning was enjoying the, the process uh, yeah. of the whole thing, especially in, from a fitness perspective. Definitely. It is so important. So mm-hmm. um, can, can you talk a little bit about, you know, why it's good to, to have a real a goal that is realistic, but then, you know, in, enjoying the process and staying motivated? Is that something that you ever, you know, put thought into? Maybe you're talking to someone that has that particular goal. Um, but how do I make sure that it's one realistic, stay motivated through the whole thing and actually enjoy the process? Mm-hmm. I think understanding the purpose of certain things, going back to like uh, Sean's example, like you are training like for the race, but not, you know, maybe not to get your own PR, but, you know, you wanted to be able to show up and perform well on that day. Yes. So I think the goal of performing well is something that we need to remember. Um, there's been a couple of times before where I've had like tennis matches where I practiced so well the days before, and then on the day of the match, I played like I played super bad, and it was really depressing. But I think um, with creating like um, attainable goals, I think what matters is really um, looking at your own past experiences and seeing what has worked for you and what has not worked for you, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just taking it one step at a time, enjoying the improvement over time. Yes. And just like uh, reframing or like, like um, looking at your perspective, why are you doing this? You Mm -hmm. know, like if I want to go play tennis, I'm not going with the intention of being the next Roger Federer because like, you know, at my age and everything, like it's not (laughs) realistic. So I think, being realistic, but then also like, why am I doing this? Just asking yourself why. And I actually do that for a lot of things that I do, whether it's like, um, I'm going to eat like, um, a certain meal or like do something work related. I ask myself why, because I want the things that I do to be intentional. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if we know the intention of things that makes it easier as well. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. Um, knowing your purpose, Mm -hmm. Um, being a better person that I am today than I was yesterday with this goal. Mm-hmm. This goal just happens to be what I'm shooting for to become a better person. Yes. Right. Versus I'm only doing it for this goal. Cur- the, yes. Yeah. The, the improvement over time is really what matters. So yeah, um, that's so important. And a lot, a lot of takeaways, I think um, from today, that one for sure mm-hmm. um, in, in general. So the last thing that I kind of want to ask you is let's say someone is, struggling right now yeah mentally they know they need to do something mm-hmm. um i don't know maybe they're on medication maybe they're not things like that but like what, what's step one well, how do i get out of this thing like yeah. what's the first thing that i need to do and that's kind of maybe how we can wrap this up sure um step one is definitely acknowledging that you know something is wrong and that's okay You know, like I think a lot of people think um, if there's something wrong that shows weakness or there's something wrong with you. But the fact is we all have like mental health issues at some point or another in our lives. So realizing that that it's normal and okay is, I would say, step one. Then the next thing um, 
I would do is tell someone that you trust. You know, and I think when you do that, um, it's almost like speaking it into existence. More likely than not, this person will say like, thanks for sharing. I'm sorry you're going through this. Let's figure out a way we can, you know, acknowledge the problem and like deal with it. So I think after talking to um, someone that you trust, I think then being able to reach out to like a mental health professional and then seeing what they would suggest, like, you know, if it's like a medication or like therapy that mm -hmm. type of thing but i think um just speaking in, it into existence helps a lot and then um something that i wanted to share that is a way that i think about a lot of things um i like the existential therapy approach which is like <laughs> looking at life from like a very broad perspective so when i'm upset or happy or just feeling anything about something that happens in my life i try to close my eyes and imagine i'm like 90 years old and i'm looking back at this moment is this feeling of anger that i'm feeling at someone else or anything like am i gonna care when i'm 90 and then when it's the answer is usually no like nothing is that much of a big deal that i'm gonna look back at it and say wow that was a big deal so that makes me like reframe things and take things more lightly than i'm taking them at that moment yeah, that's such a difficult thing to do. It but is. I, but I do agree, if you were to do that, most things wouldn't matter mm -hmm. all that much. Yes. Yeah, so interesting. Well, um, thank you so much for everything that we discussed today. I learned a lot. Um, I'd love to, you know, discuss again, maybe more things, anything as you learn. I know you're going through your journey of uh, getting your license, right, to actually work with people mm -hmm. in the near yes. future. So that's super exciting. Thank you. Um, Anything else that you want to mention maybe before before we wrap this up? Yeah, one quick thing. Um, it's sure. seemingly random, but it's, it's really helpful. Okay. If you're struggling with your mental health and you go just sit at a bench at a dog park, it, it does wonders because you just see these like dogs running around and they're so happy and they're living in the moment. So sometimes when we're struggling, we're so caught up in our heads, but then you see these like dogs like running around, enjoying the air, enjoying the weather. It, it does something to you. So um, that's something I've actually done before. And like, I, I feel better after just like watching, watching these dogs run around because, you know, they're, they're living life in the moment, you know, so it helps take you out of your own head. Yeah, such a great point. So yeah, live life in the moment. Yeah. Uh, if you're struggling right now, acknowledgement, mm -hmm. find someone you trust, and then find a professional. Yes. Right, step one, two, three. Yep, that's awesome. all okay and normal. Yes, it is okay to have these thoughts and these yes. feelings and you can overcome them. Yes, definitely. Awesome, well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All Sean, right. we're out. All right, see y'all later.